tries to wait this little kick in towards the full forward area. Onto it. Beautiful roving. Hazelby. Go for goal and bang it through. Hazelby goal. Paul Hazelby from round 8 2000. Of course, that would be your rising star year, I would say, Hayes. That is correct. I like coming in here, Duff. You make me feel good. You play some old uh, audio. Don't mind it. I think you can credit uh, Justin and Heater with that. They uh, they are the great library men here. <laughs> they uh, they can dig these things up, and uh, um, I've, I have a feeling I remember that game. Uh, I, I think I remember watching that game. Was it was that a win for Mate, Rio? Uh, for me, you, I can't remember individual games unless there was something special in that game that stood out from a team point of view, or maybe an individual point of view. I'm a bit like Rain Man. Yeah. With stuff like that, <laughs> I can remember weird things. Hey, um, uh, what did you make of Fremantle on the weekend? In racing terms, it was a fill-up. They got exactly what they needed from that game. And you talk about the inside 50 efficiency, they got that. That was going at 80% at one point, which is just off the charts. Contested possessions, they had a win finally in that part of the game. Stingy defence was back and ball movement was another advancement on what we saw last week against the Brisbane Lions. And eight of their players played their best game for the season. So, so much confidence should come. The big asterisk is it was Hawthorne. How bad were Hawthorne compared to how good were Fremantle? So... Let's talk about a couple of the players that had their best games. I thought Jago Amira clearly mm. had his best game for Freo. Yep, I had him in the votes. He was the third vote getter on the ground for me against his old team. You, you know, sometimes it takes that extra motivation um, to have your best football come to the fore. But yeah, he was winning possessions. He's been a pretty good goal kicker, and I like mm. that move. It's freed him up, and it's also added to the flexibility of their midfield. And we did see that with Fife. We saw a bit more with Jackson. Switkowski has gone through there as well. But he was back to winning his contested ball. Uh, best football, which you want to see from a mature age recruit that came into the football club. Quite clean. Mm. Well, like he, even when he hasn't been playing that well and he's been pretty moderate, he's still quite clean, isn't he? You, you feel like when the ball gets into his hands that nothing too bad is going to happen. And they have been a bit frivolous with the ball at times this year. Percentage-wise, I think he's right up there in the competition. I think there's mm. two players in terms of their disposal efficiency by foot. Uh, Lockie Schultz may be the other one for the Fremantle Dockers. So he gets it, even though when, when he wasn't um, impacting as much as we thought he could early in the season... He wasn't doing anything bad. It was more just about the possession rate. How do I get more footy, yep. turn an 18 into a 25? And that's what we saw on the weekend. So he needs to continue down that path. And the interesting dynamic is between him and Will Brody. You feel mm. that you can't play the both of them maybe in the same midfield because they both give similar things and you can spread their time or split their time and then it just doesn't really work for either player. Justin made the courageous call to leave Will Brody out again and you'd have to say on face value, it helped Jagro Mira find his best football. Yeah, I wondered about that. I had a question written down for you actually. What does it mean for Brody? He had a strong game at Peel, mm. clearly, and Peel had a strong performance. But as you say, you, get, you do get the feeling that it'll be one, not both of them. And Neil Erasmus was the other one that got more time as well. And yep. what I liked about his game is that he does give you that defensive intensity. He only had the 16 possessions. And look, if Will Brody had 16 possessions, we're probably sitting here saying, you know, maybe he deserves to be out of the team. But I think it complements their midfield a bit more. He had the eight tackles. And I think the knock from Longmuir on Will Brody is that defensive intensity from the stoppage when they don't win it. Yep. And unfortunately, when you've been smacked in those ground ball gets, you're looking at scapegoats 
and he became that player. But Erasmus also gives you flexibility to play on the wing and then go inside of the right time. I don't think we've seen Will Brody played on the wing at any stage throughout his career, and perhaps it is something that he needs to bring to his game if he is to make it back into the side. When Johnson serves his suspension, you would play both Johnson and Erasmus? I think so, yeah. Yeah. You've, and the, the wing spot did open up because of the move by Justin Longmuir to put Ethan Hughes into defence, which for this round actually worked. Ethan Hughes played a really good role. Yep. But I think having a player that is a midfielder type on the wing is what we're seeing a bit more around the competition, that they can you know, win possession, but you can rotate them through. We're seeing with Travis Boak, Sam Walsh does it as well. I think Fremantle need to start developing those wingmen into midfielders and, and, and use some of their inside midfielders on the outside at times as well just to throw something different. Luke Jackson, clearly his best for game for the club, 24, seven tackles, two goals. What did you like most about the game? Oh, I liked a lot. Like he just he ran at the contest a bit better inside the forward fifty, but he did have some really good looks. And I think the challenge for him in the forward line is going to be as he improves, he's going to get a better defender. And the marking contest when there's body contact on him, that's where he's struggling a bit. So I think that's what he needs to work on. On the weekend, he got some freedom because he had a smaller opponent at times and he got free at times. So, you know, he looks a million dollars when you get that outcome. But what I loved was his ability to push up into the midfield, go into those stoppages and really help out that contested possession style that they've been lacking in in recent times. He won the ball. He fed the ball out to the right player. The next challenge for him is to try and, you know, do that more consistently. But they also, if he's going to go up and as he gets better, I think it's going to be... A value to the Dockers if the defender then says, well, do we leave Luke Jackson up the ground or do we go with him? And if they go with him, I think that becomes a positive because it opens up their forward line. If they don't go with him, then they need the ball to go through him and he needs to become that really good link player, spread player from contest to make sure that they maximise him up there. But if he does go up, like we saw on the weekend, they need another key forward to play that role. And we saw it from Josh Tracy. He did it okay for the first quarter. But again, like Josh Tracy has done across his career, he faded out and there were times where he was in perfect positions to take those marks where he just couldn't execute it. But it looked better with three of them, in my opinion, working inside that front half. So follow-up question to that. Nathan Five comes on, plays a quarter, gets through, has good impact, has 10 disposals, five and five, and kicks a goal. How do you use him this week? Does he play as the sub again and you gradually increase his game time and if you do that, um, when he does come on, does he become that third tall forward or do you use him in the mix of roles as Justin Longmuir did on the weekend? What, what he did on the weekend was perfect. But I wouldn't use him as a sub. I think they bring him in and 50-50 split. And depending on the situation of the game, that can change. Yep. If the midfield's going well and they need another key forward, then he stays there. If the midfield is struggling like we've seen, then I think he goes into the midfield. And I like the fact that he should start in the midfield. Like, throw your best cards early. Because clearly what I saw on the weekend, for the first time, Fremantle were in control in the game. And when you're in your control, you can actually go back and play that controlled style of football. Yeah. Early on, they took the game on, they went corridor. Instead of giving that outlet handball or outlet kick in defence, all of their players were looking with intent to look for a better option. And it worked for them. But once they got in front, in the second half, they went back to what they had been doing. But it's okay when you're in that position. That's what Ross Lyon does. He starts well, throws everything he's got, and then he defends and controls the ball for the most part to try and win that game in the back half. Yeah, that's a good call. And... Um, 
Hayden Young and Jordan Clark in particular took the game on, didn't they? They took the game forward. Mm. There was one with Jordan Clark in particular where he got the ball and normally he would give an outlet handball or yeah. release handball to another defender. Or they might have Brennan Cox set up in the corridor back to kick the ball to him. But he looked at him and he said, nah, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to take it on. He ran 20 metres. He might have had a bounce, kicked it in. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't perfect. I think Longmuir will start to understand that it doesn't have to be perfect with their ball movement. But as long as every player knows where that ball's likely to go, they will make it happen. And I think what we're also seeing is midfielders now start to get on the scoreboard a bit more because they can now start to work their patterns through the midfield. No, I don't have to go out to the wing to try and get the next possession. I don't have to get caught in the middle of the ground. I can actually time my run because I know the ball's going to go corridor. The next guy's going to get it. He's either going to handball it to another run pass player or he's going to come inboard and kick the ball inside the forward 50. I'll work my running patterns based on that knowledge. So how would you structure up the forward line in the immediate future? Bailey Banfield had a strong game and Bailey Banfield is always one of those ones that has to be at his absolute best to command a spot in the team. Do you stay with what's there or do you see anything coming through in the waffle that might threaten for a position? Not yet. Um, Corbett, I don't think he's put his hand up. Uh, Sabet Kuick had some good numbers in the waffle, 17 disposals. Um, Josh Tracy, I think I'd give it another look. One more go for Josh Tracy. Um, but if Nathan Fife does start, it probably is Fife, Jackson and Amos as the three. Yep. Um and that makes you vulnerable at times, particularly when Jackson has to go on the ruck or he goes on ball, it goes back to two. But I think it does give you a bit more flexibility um, just to have something down the line when you need something. And if you are going to play a quicker brand of play from the back half, if you get into trouble, you need something down the line. And it's better to have a taller player than Michael Walters being that guy. And then, of course, you go with Schultz, Switkowski, Walters and Banfield. They eventually got control of the stoppages, but how concerned were you in the first half when Hawthorne, a team that is really struggling, just had total control of the stoppages? It was the one area of the game where they had a toehold, wasn't it? Got to about 8-1 early on. And it was only because it was Hawthorne who had some horrible other parts of their game that allowed the Dockers really to not get smacked from that position. Because in honesty, that's where they've been getting smacked. They've talked a lot about having to defend from their back 50 because of the loss inside their centre bounce. So they need to address it. Fife helps that. Like, you could clearly see that Fife becomes the inside guy. Mm. And then Brayshaw and Sarong can judge their running pattern based on him actually winning the contest. And it just gave them a, a different look. There was some excitement about it as well, but still some work to do. And Sean Darcy winning a lot of the taps. But I think he needs to start to look at, well, what else can I do? Can I mix it up a little bit so it's not so predictable to the opposition? He's got that line and length tap, hasn't he? And, mm. and opposition teams read it and they get in underneath it and their their player gets through the channel and out. Scouting these days on Ruckman is huge. Even when I was playing, like you'd get a, a vision um, which went, in my day, probably 15 minutes because you couldn't quite cut it exactly right. Now, they would have that done in five minutes where every player could actually look at every centre bounce, yep. bang, 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 looking at every tap where it's going, who it's going to, and what the other players are doing around that. Yeah. Um, Nathan Fife's kicking. This is doing my head in. Like, to me, there's one thing that he needs to fix, and that is the ball drop needs to be lower. Every photo that I used to see when I was working at the West Australian of Nathan Fife still hmm. would have the ball drop from the hip, and good kicks drop it from between the thigh and the knee. 
Why why has this not been addressed yet? Can you change it at that age? Can you change your style at that age? It's pretty easy to change how high you drop on the ball, isn't it? You're not you're not actually changing the motion or anything other than just get your head further forward, mm. lean lean into it, get momentum through the ball, and drop the ball at thigh height. To me, that's fixable. I mean, they do teach Irishmen who've never kicked the oval ball before how to kick mm. it as grown ups from scratch. So, I I just think it's never going to be fixed until he fixes that. And of all the other things he talks about fixing with his kicking, that's the one thing that doesn't change. Has it always been an issue in his game? Like in the first 100 games of his career, was set shot goal kicking an issue? I, I don't. Or has it become now mental for him? There's a fine line between whether it is your, you know, your, your mechanism or whether it's your confidence in your own mind. I think what happens is if you've got a slightly flawed technique, when it does get to you mentally, you've got no Hmm. bedrock foundation to go back to believe in. You know what I mean? Like the trigger for your golf swing, you know, like if you've got one trigger for your golf swing, when things go wrong, you go back to that. I suspect that with the high ball drop, he doesn't have that trigger mechanism to go back and say, okay, I'm not kicking it well. I'm going to make sure I do this. I'll go back to Chris Mayne was the best set shot player in the competition. Yeah. And then he became the worst. Yeah. What changed? Uh, I reckon with Maine, it was lack of conviction through the ball. Like mm. Maine would kick these balls that would start on line, but they, because they had no oomph. Yeah, it became a 40-metre kick. kick. It, and it would just drift at the last, you know, the wind would get hold of it or whatever. He wouldn't kick it through the air, you know, it would just mm. sort of float. Um, so I don't think many clubs now have fully resourced biomechanists that can actually fully change your technique. Yeah. Like we did have one a guy called Kevin Ball when I was around, so yes. he got right into it. But I think now it's reliant on... I did see Kevin Ball try and kick the ball. Yeah. Like... <laughs> not great. He didn't have an uh, AFL background, Kevin Ball. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> but the coaches now, who are they? They're basically just forwards. And yeah. trying to change somebody else's routine... And technique is quite difficult to do. I was talking to Adrian Barrett yesterday, and he was saying that he'd been talking to Brendan Favola, and when Ross Lyon was first at Carlton as a development coach, and he had a crack at Favola, who was missing a lot of shots on goal, and he said, what's this stir in the soup thing that you do? And Favola said, what do you mean? He said, well, they're always waving the ball around, you know, before mm. you drop. And he said, uh, go to training and kick it 30 times holding it with one hand. And he said, put your other hand behind your back. And because you're only holding it with one hand, all you can do is hold it above your foot and drop it, and you yep. have to drop it low. I'm just wondering whether Nathan Fife needs to try that. And then if you remember Favola when he um, became a really good kick, he used to hold the ball on top of the ball with the left hand. Yep. That was because because he got used yeah, to dropping yeah. with one hand. He had to find something to do with the so other the hand. So the other hand just became on the top side, yep. basically just to hold it in position. Well, for, for appearance's sake. But basically. even with my daughter, so I've been trying to teach her how to kick. Pretty good kick, but drops it with two hands. Yeah. Trying to show her, no, you've got to leave one hand on for a little bit longer. Yeah. She can't grasp it. It's not an easy thing to change and teach. Yeah, it's a fascinating one. But how much more how much more effective would he be mm. if he was a 66-34 shot on goal? Then you'd put him forward with great confidence and, you, and you'd believe he could influence games, wouldn't he? Um, can they beat Sydney? Have to beat Sydney. 
and can beat Sydney. I think for the last two weeks for me, I've seen a good change. The execution was better. The asterisk is on how good Hawthorne was on the weekend, but Sydney are vulnerable. They are not going very well at all. And what Sydney did on the weekend in their game against Collingwood was completely overhaul their ball movement. They actually played a possession style of game. So they're now in that position. Do we keep going with that? Or do we change it again, go back to what we've been doing? So I think for them it won't be a quick fix to get their confidence back and Fremantle will get a live opportunity here to expose their lack of defenders but their lack of confidence at the moment. Season on the line stuff for both sides. One Eagles question for me, listening to Hayes at the run home with Hayes and Mardo, that's on SEN on weekdays at 3pm, you were fairly pessimistic about Jack Darling and you believe he might be coming to the end. Yeah, it's been a bit of a trend for the last couple of years. I don't think he's the same athlete he was. He's a powerful athlete, and particularly when he first started, like his work rate to hit the ground, to get back up, the chase, tackle, pressure, he, he was all a big of that tackler, was there. Wasn't he? Yeah, big and then, mm. and now you know you need to be doing that. You need to add that to your game again because if you're not getting more than ten disposals, you need to bring something else. He had four on the weekend. He may be carrying an injury. And, you know, always hold my opinion back because there is that possibility. But we don't know that, so we have to give commentary. But I just feel without that athleticism that maybe, you know, it's going to be tougher for him from this point on. And we know they're going to be vulnerable in terms of how well they go over the next couple of years. You know, he's still got a long time on his contract. But the positional change, I think, should be looked at. But then you are robbing somebody else of a good opportunity to play at centre-half back. But you've got to get this guy back in form somehow with some confidence because right now it's not there. Paul Hayes will be Docker's legend. Of course, he is one half of the run home with Hayes and Marto weekdays at 3 p.m. on SEN. Hayes, always a pleasure to get your thoughts and knowledge on what's going on, particularly about Fremantle. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Duff. Love your work. Paul Hazelby, what do you think? The temper at Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. The open line is 13 12 55. We'll be back after the break.